Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Wow, it is good to see you. I, I thought they might play the theme song from Welcome Back Cotter or something this morning. How many of you remember Welcome Back Cotter? Yeah, I'm showing my age. I know. I know. Hey, I'm glad to be back home where I belong. Uh, Ann and I have had two months of rest and relaxation and romance. She's crazy about me. I mean, it's just... <laughs> Some, sometimes. Uh, I just want to say to all the Bridge Church, we're so glad to be back. Um, in this season, uh, I'm, I'm so pleased and so proud of you for your faithfulness to the church. You are the church. We're not the church. We're all the church. You've been so faithful. And I want to say thank you for your patience in this season. We just took some time off to rest and just take it easy and recharge our batteries. And it's been a great, great time. We are well. We are rested, body, soul, and spirit. You know, it's, it's really funny, really funny how people can start the craziest stories. You know that? I mean, as, as Mark Twain once said, rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I've had people text me, are you sick? Are you okay? Is everything all right? What's going on? And, you know, I've heard some crazy things, but, you know, crazy things come out of the mouths of crazy people. Isn't that right? <laughs> well, that, I think that's just a word from the Lord. I didn't even have that in my notes today. But we're ready for the next season and the good things that God's about to do. One other thing, I want to say thanks to all of our team, our volunteers, our pastors, our leaders, everybody. Pastor Corey's preached. Pastor Nick has preached. Pastor Zach has preached. They've done an outstanding job. Give our team a hand. Would you do that? They've just done an outstanding job. But I'm ready to go this morning. And if this is your first time at the bridge, some of you are probably saying, well, who is this guy? I'm Gary Martin. I am the the senior pastor. Um, you know, th this, is, this is the time of year when we're about to start school again. The back to school bash comes up. To, can I just visit for a minute or two? Is that okay? Uh, we'll take it out of my sermon time. But uh, this is the time of year we're getting ready for school to start. Vacations are coming to the end. So this weekend, next weekend, people are getting those last few days off. You're getting the kids ready to go. Uh, I had a birthday this week. And I came to the realization that I am actually in midlife. I have reached that place. When you're going for 120 at my age, that's somewhere in midlife. So that's, that's where I am right now. Uh, but if it's your first time at the bridge, we especially welcome you. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have any questions, stop by our info center out in the lobby to the, uh, to the right. They can answer any questions that you might have. We're really glad you're here today. All right, let's get started with God's Word. We're going to begin this morning in a few minutes reading from Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to spill over into Numbers chapter 14. Before I begin, let me, let me just set this up. I'm, I'm beginning a series today and I'll last through a good part of this month, simply called Promised Land Questions. Promised Land Questions. I'm going to be answering a lot of questions and giving you some information the next few weeks that I hope will encourage you to move forward in your walk with God. And for those of us who preach and teach God's Word here at the bridge, really, there are two main goals that we have in our preaching and our teaching. The first is... To bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what God's word does. It creates faith. 
So for people who don't know Christ, we want to help them find Christ and begin a relationship with him. And then the second big goal that I have, and I think all of our pastors would have, is we want to teach and encourage people to live in pursuit of God. Pursuing all that God has for each of our individual lives. Let me repeat that. That we're all pursuing what God has for our individual lives. We as a church are pursuing things, but we as individuals also need to be pursuing things. And to sum that up, we need to be pursuing the things that God has for our individual lives. Because God's working in different people's lives in different ways, taking us in slightly different directions, doing different things among us, doing different things through us. And we need to be passionate about finding all of those things that God wants to do in our lives. And one of my favorite studies in scripture is the story of Israel from the time they left Egypt until the time that they possessed the promised land. There's so much great teaching in there. I wish I had time to sit down and write a book about all the things I've studied and learned through the years because it's great stuff. But here's what's interesting about that. In 1 Corinthians 10, you don't need to turn there. I'll just throw it in there. It may be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. Paul's talking about the journey of Israel in the Old Testament. Some people don't understand. There's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that's important to us today. We don't always understand that. But here's what Paul said about the journeys of Israel. He said, those things were written as examples for us. And they're written for our admonition that we might learn from them. Even in these end times, even in these days we live, hundreds and thousands of years after those things happened, Paul said, we still need to be learning from those things because God had them recorded for our benefit. So through the years, and I'm telling you, over 40 years, I've been studying that journey, looking at that journey, continually learning from it, and it has enriched my life and my walk with God. So let me start today with some questions because we're going to be talking about the promised land. And in this series, the next few weeks, we're going to talk about your promised land. And I'm going to answer a lot of questions that you might have. But let's begin with this. When you look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, you might ask the question, well, why are these stories important for me? It's because you will learn lessons that will help shape your life and your walk with God. And what life principles, what lessons can I learn from these stories? Every time I open up the Word of God, one of the things I do is I say, God, speak to me. Teach me something. Let me learn something that I didn't already know or refresh my memory, something that I need to make sure is strong and important in my life. And then the next question, how can I apply these things to my life? How many of you know God's Word does you no good unless you get it applied to your life? It's one thing to be a hearer of the word. It's another thing to be a doer, a liver of God's word. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus talked about abundant life. Last Sunday morning, our guest speaker, Pastor Bayless Conley, he talked a little bit about abundant life. The life of God, the Zoe in the original writings, the Zoe life of God. Jesus said, I have come that you and you and you and you, that each and every one of us who believe in him can live a life beyond anything we could have ever lived without him. I say this all the time. God's got better plans for you than you have for yourself. 
He's got better plans. But sometimes we have to lay down our little plans to walk into God's big plans. This superabundant life. When Jesus talked about abundant life in the original writings, it literally means superabundant. It means superior life. It means beyond what we could create for ourselves. So let me ask you this morning. If God can provide a superior life in a superior lifestyle, wouldn't I want it? If my faith is in him, wouldn't I want the life he's created for me? Wouldn't I pursue it? Wouldn't I do anything to live the life of God? Answer that question for yourself. And today, I want to invite you to join me in a journey. Some of you are already on the journey. Some of you are thinking about it. Some of you are kind of on it and kind of still thinking through it, trying to get it all settled in your heart. I think this series is going to settle a lot of things in your heart and bring a lot of clarity to your future. But I'm inviting you to join me on a journey, an adventure, as each one of us walk into the promised land that God has for our lives. I've been on this journey since I was 19 years old. And I'm still on the journey. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still experiencing new things in God. And I think that's the way God intended for it to be. So let's dive into God's word this morning. The foundation for the teaching I'm going to be doing the next few weeks. And like I said, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. I'm going to be answering some questions. I'm going to be asking you to ask yourself some questions. Questions about your promised land. But the foundation for all of this today is going to begin with four key words. One is actually a phrase. The four key words and maybe some questions that will get us thinking about the promised land God has for us. Number one, the first word is Egypt. Egypt. God delivered Israel from the bondage of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. They'd been there for, what, like 400 years it had turned into a place of slavery. What started as blessing when you stay too long can become a place of bondage. That's what happened with Israel. They stayed there too long. But in God's time, when it came time to go, God miraculously delivered them. So for us today, what is Egypt? Egypt is simply a picture of the old life of bondage to slavery and sin that we once lived before Jesus. B.C. Before Christ. And you know, I think a lot of people miss the point that God saves us out of something to put us in something better. He takes us out of something, out of sin, out of bondage, out of Egypt, and he wants to lead us on a journey to a promised land, a land of blessing that he has for our lives. But some of us don't realize this journey lasts a lifetime, and maybe I need to get engaged in my journey. I'm telling you, God has better plans for you than you have for yourself. One of Israel's greatest failure, and maybe it was their greatest failure, was they left the land of Egypt, but they couldn't get Egypt out of their heads and out of their hearts. Let me say it this way. God can take a slave out of bondage, but he can't always take bondage out of the slave. Because it's a part of our journey to learn to recognize that there was an old life 
It's not a better life. I don't care how much you partied and how many headaches you had the morning after. It is not a better life. The better life is the life in the promised land that God has given us. But we have to be willing to walk away from an old life to enter into a new life. A second word in this study that becomes important is the word wilderness. Here's what happened with Israel. And remember, this is all the foundation for where we're going. And somebody said, you need to hurry. I know that, and I am hurrying, okay? Remember, that first few minutes is separate. But what about the wilderness? Scripture says that when God delivered Israel out of Egypt, they'd know nothing but slavery. They'd been slaves for a few generations. And when he delivered them out of bondage, he could have taken them on a short journey right into the land of Canaan. But he knew, God knew, if he took them immediately into Canaan that they would have to fight battles. And this bunch of slaves, they were in no way ready and prepared to face warfare. All they were was slaves. That's how they thought. That's how they lived. That's how they acted. They didn't know how to do warfare. They didn't know how to fight. So God said, here's what I'll do. I'll lead them in this roundabout place. It's a wilderness. It's mostly an undeveloped area. I'll lead them through this land. And while we are there, I will teach them my nature. I will do miracles for them. I will show them how much I love them and care for them. And then once they've seen that, they'll be ready to go in and possess the land. You see, the wilderness, the wilderness is simply a place of preparation. I've heard Christians say, boy, I've, I've been walking with God for 30 years and I'm walking through this wilderness place. If you're living in the wilderness 30 years after you start walking with Jesus, you miss something somewhere. I get weary hearing Christians say, oh, I'm in this wilderness place. Can I tell you something? The wilderness is not a destination. It's something you go through to get where God's leading you. You can live in the wilderness if you want. Because here's what happened with Israel. A whole generation... Probably millions of people died in the wilderness because they would not accept and learn the nature of God. And every time a new challenge came, they said, no, we don't believe you. We don't believe you. And finally, God said, after 10 times, I've tried to convince you who I am and what I am and what my plans are for you. If you don't want to listen to me, fine. You say you're going to die in the wilderness and you can die in the wilderness. And he allowed a whole generation to die there so he could raise up a people of faith who no longer thought like slaves, who no longer held to the old life, but they wanted to go into the promised land God had prepared for them. That's what God wants to do for us. Wilderness is a place of preparation. Learning God's nature for yourself. Learning that he's a God of miracles and that he's trustworthy. And he cares about every need. Number three, the, the, the third word, and really it's a compound word as I use it. It's two words. It's the promised land. The promised land. You see, God had made promises all the way back to Abraham, who was the father of the nation of Israel. And God had told him way back then, I'm going to give you this land for your people. As your, as your family becomes not just tribes, but it becomes a great nation, I'll bring them and put them here. It's going to be a few hundred years, but I'll lead them out of Egypt. I'll bring them back here. I'll establish them as a nation. It was a land, a place that was promised to them. A place that was promised to them. And I want to talk about the promised land for a couple minutes. And I'm going to break this apart into the two words, promised and land. 
promised means it was a wonderful, unseen, promised destination. A wonderful, unseen, promised destination. For that bunch of slaves, for those people of Israel who came out of bondage, they couldn't get their heads and their hearts around the fact that there's this wonderful destination that God wants to put us in that place. He wants to establish us there and he wants to give us a good life there. All they could do was think in terms of what Egypt had been and what Egypt had done to them. They could not turn loose of the old life and head for this place because they'd never seen it. They never experienced it. It was unseen. It was simply promised to them by God. And then the second part, promised land, is the word land. It's a place. It's a destination. There are things there. It's an actual place where there's a life and a lifestyle of blessing. And here's what I want you to see this morning. When God made this promise to them to give them this land, this destination, this place, God said, we're going to divide the land into tribes or big family groups. Going back to great-great-grandfathers. We're going to have 12 tribes among whom we, we partition, partition out this land. We're going to divide the land for big tribes of people. But then within that, within your tribe, there will also be land for your family. Within that land, there will be a place of blessing for you. See, I, I think a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, never get their minds around the concept that God's plans are not just big for a church and big for all of his people. God's plans break down to tribes, individual churches, families, individual people. God has a promised land that fits you perfectly. Now, you see, one of the misnomers, I think, in the church, now there's, there's debate about this, and I'm not going to argue with people, but I will tell you what I believe. Some people say, well, the promised land, that's when you die and go to heaven. Well, let me tell you the problem I have with that. Number one, Israel didn't have to die to get into the promised land. They had to live to get in there. Second thing, the promised land was inhabited by the enemy. Ungodly people. I'm going to tell you something. Heaven is not inhabited by ungodly people. There were giants there that were bigger and stronger than those people. That's not heaven. They were going to have to go in and run the enemy out to possess the land. That's not heaven. Heaven is prepared for God's people. So I've come to this place, and this has happened over many, many years. I'm going to tell you something. The promised land is this right here. It's what God wants to do in your life for you personally to bring his hand of blessing into everything that you do for the, all the days of your life. God has a promised land for you. You see, the promised land for us today is the abundant life that Jesus promised. It's a life of blessing, a life of meaning, a life of purpose. Did you know God wants all of us to live a life of meaning and purpose? We find it in his family. Now, let me take this one step further because this is really important. And, and you say, well, is this still the introduction? Yeah, but we're going to get to the teaching in a minute, okay? So stay with me. 
Have you ever had a dream in your heart? Do you live life carrying something inside? It's a dream of this is what life's going to be like when I get to the end. Have you ever had a dream in your heart? Do you live with a dream in your heart? Or have you squashed some dreams and given up on those dreams? Can I tell you what I believe? I believe with all of my heart that for those of us who have dream of a more blessed, more fulfilling life, a life where God's hand is continually, continually seen working on our behalf. I believe God has planted that dream and that seed in our hearts. And God wants us to know, yes, I have a plan for you. I have a promised life for you. It fits you perfectly. See, I believe every believer has a promised land in their heart. Planted by the hand of God and watered by God's promises and by God's spirit. It's the life and the purpose for which we were born. It's God's plan for you. And then there's a fourth word. When we get past promised land, the fourth word that's going to be really important here is the word possess. Possess. You see it over and over again in this journey. God talks to the people about the fact that they have to go in and possess the land. You know how... I think a lot of us live, you know, when you go to an amusement park, you don't go on this amusing ride, what do you do? You get in, you sit down in the cart, and the cart just takes you on this amusing ride. I think some of us get the idea, well, I'm just going to trust God, I'm just going to get in this cart, and wherever it goes, it goes, it goes, it goes. I don't have any idea where God's going. No, I think God wants to fulfill the dreams you have in your heart. But we have to learn what it means to possess. What does it mean to possess the promised land? To possess is the process, the journey to enter into all of God's abundant promised life. That's why we're preaching this word every single Sunday. Because we want to encourage you on your personal journey to your promised land. The last part of my introduction. The promised land process. This process of possessing the land. This promised land process is initiated by God's promise. God initiates this promise in, our, in His Word and in our hearts. But the process unfolds only as I respond to His promise. We need to respond to God's promises for our lives. Now with all of that said, how many are ready to get into God's Word today? Okay, I'm going to move fast. Numbers 13, we're going to read several verses, but I want you to see this. We're going to look at decision time. Decision time. It's time for Israel to decide, are we going to follow God or not? Are we going into our promised land or are we going to die in the wilderness? Moses sends spies into the land, 12 spies, one from every tribe. The spies return. And when Moses went, he said, just go check out the land, come back, tell us what it's like. So these guys go into the land. They spy it out. They find that. It's inhabited. There are cities there, walled cities. There are even some giants there. How many have ever encountered a giant in this life? Not, a, not, not just a physical giant, a spiritual giant. Have you, ever, have you ever encountered an enemy that's bigger than you? Israel's spies found out some of those guys are there, actual giants. 
But they also found out in this one area, especially, there was so much abundance, crops and vineyards and orchards, that they brought back clusters of grapes. This is grape country. They brought back clusters of grape that were so big they had to carry them on staffs between their shoulders. So they come back and here's what they say. Numbers 13, verse 30. We'll have the verses on the screen. Then Caleb, one of the spies, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. I'll pause here just a moment. Ten out of twelve spies, ten out of twelve men who went in and checked out the land came back. And Moses never asked for their opinions. All he wanted to know is, what's the land like? They come back and they said, we can't do this. God promised it, but we can't take it. I think a lot of people live their Christian lives that way. Well, God promised this stuff, but it wasn't for me. Sure it is. His promises are for you. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are the men of great stature. Pause here a moment. They saw great walled cities and they saw a lot of people, including some giants. And yet they come back and they said, the land devours all of its inhabitants. That's not true because it was inhabited. Second thing they said was, and all the men there are giants. That wasn't true either. Only some of them. Isn't it amazing how doubt exaggerates things? Isn't it amazing how a voice of unbelief makes things ten times bigger than they are so we can come to a place where we can say, well, it must not be God's will for me to go there because it's bigger than me. Everybody smile at me this morning while you're thinking, chewing on your breath mints while I'm preaching. And here's what else they said, verse 33. And there we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. Notice the progression here. When you see the enemy is overwhelming and when you see the enemy is bigger than God, the first thing that happens is you become a grasshopper in your own sight and you're afraid of the enemy. And the second thing that happens is the enemy begins to see you the way you see yourself. See, that's why it's so important for us to demonstrate to the enemy what we believe and where our faith is. Because if he knows we're afraid, he will beat us and beat us and beat us until we give up on the promises of God. It's good preaching today. It's good. Thank you. I had to beg for it, but thank you anyway. Now, let's continue the next chapter. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept that night. Why did they cry? Why did they weep all night? It's because they're on this journey and they're out in the middle of nowhere. And all of a sudden, 10 of the 12 spies say, we can't do this. This is too big for us. We can't do this. God can't do what he said. He made the promise. They even came back and said, it's just like God said. It's a land of abundance. Everything we could ever hope for, it's right there. But then they turn around and say, but it's, but it's not for us. We can't have it. The people are so upset, they begin to weep and cry. Verse 2, and all the congregation of Israel, all the children, complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. We should have never started serving God to begin with. 
Never should have listened to anything he said. I never should have believed any of these things. That's what they said. That's what they said because of the voices that they were hearing. Verse 3, they said, Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? You know what they basically said? Why didn't God kill us there? Did he bring us out here so there'd be more place to bury us? See, that was their thought. God brought us to the wilderness place. They didn't understand. God was proving his nature. They thought this was the end of the journey. Friend, let me tell you something. The wilderness place where you are right now is not the end of the journey. It's a place to learn the greatness of God so you can rise up and keep going into more in God. We never stop going and we never stop growing in God. We never stop. We never stop. Verse number 6. Get down to verse 6. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, these are two of the spies, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. It's just like God said. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Can I tell you something? If we'll believe God and he'll delight in our faith, he will do everything he's promised to do in our lives. The dreams he puts in our hearts, he will fulfill. Verse 9, only... Only, only, only. Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Did you know when I don't believe God, God sees that as rebellion? Well, no, he doesn't. That's what it says here. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't rebel against the Lord. And don't fear the people. They're there to provide for us. Now, I'm going to read the rest of this verse in a second, but just pause here a second. Did you know that God, for 40 years, gave Israel manna pretty much every night? Did you know that God gave them water in the wilderness from a rock for years and years and years? Did you know when they complained about the manna, God sent them quail to eat? Did you know every time they whined and cried, God met their need? For 40 years. For 40 years. Because God was trying to teach them. This is my nature. I'm a good God. I have big plans for your life. Walk with me. Walk with me. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to live somebody else's life. Live the life. Go into the promised land I have for you. Follow what I've put in your heart. God's trying to teach them this. And here's what the people couldn't see. They couldn't understand that once they entered into the promised land, 40 years later, I'm getting ahead in the story, but when they entered into the land, the vineyards were there. The orchards were there. The crops were planted. The land was greatly developed. They walked right in and possessed life ready to go. They could take their piece of property, work their property, and live their life being blessed by God. But somebody had to go before them to plant it and to keep it and to prepare it. Caleb, Joshua understood. God has put those people there to prepare the land for us. It's prepared. Let's go in and take what God has prepared for us through those people. But they couldn't see it. They went on to say this at the end of verse 9. Their protection has departed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see, Israel came to a place of decision place of choices a time when God said I've carried you 
I've done miraculous things for you. Are you going to believe me or not? Even when you grumbled and griped and complained and wanted to go back to Egypt, I've continued to take care of you. Do you want to go forward? Or do you want to stay in the wilderness? Each of us, each of us has decision time moments in life when we choose what we're going to do with the promises of God's word. It's, it's a part of the life process. It's a part of going into the promised land. It's a part of having what God has for us next. We have to choose to accept and believe God's promises. And these moments of decision, these choices we make, they shape our lives. It wasn't God's will that an entire generation would die in the wilderness. But God realized they're never going to believe me. They're never going to follow me. And he let a whole generation die there for 40 years until a new generation came along that wanted to go in and possess the land. But you know, I, I think about Caleb and Joshua. And I'm almost finished. I'm getting down to the end of my message. So for those of you who are really concerned, I, I was just kidding. I'm going I'm to finish pretty much on time. Everybody say pretty much. <laughs> See, each of us has... These moments of decision when we choose to believe God and move forward or give up. But when you think about Caleb and Joshua, these two spies, and then these other ten guys, isn't it interesting to note how people of faith and people of doubt see life so differently? How many of you, okay, interaction, I'm at, I told you there's a lot of questions about the promised land. Here's a question. How many of you know somebody of extreme doubt? We'd call them pessimists. Come on. Come on. Everybody can participate. You say, well, I'm new to the bridge. I'm visiting. It's okay. How many know some pessimists? I, di I didn't ask you if you live with a pessimist. I said, how many of you know some pessimists? I'm not trying to get you in trouble. How many of you know some optimists? People of faith. It's interesting how differently people see things based on their faith or based on their unbelief. You know, there are so many voices around us today. Man, you, you listen to the news, you, you read any news feeds, you, you just get on social media. I pretty much am never on social media because I don't want to hear all the voices. Because there are voices of fear, voices of doubt, voices of anger. Voices of jealousy, voices of gossip, greed, perversion, rebellion, all kinds of voices. But in the middle of all this, there are also some voices of faith. People who believe God. And you know, sometimes I think it is ten against two. For every two people who have faith, it seems like there are ten people who tell you, no, 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 no. You better not. God can't do that. No, 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 no. You know what God's listening for? People who will say, yes, 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 he can. Yes, he can. And he can do it for me. Yes, he can. But you know, it's interesting. You read this story. When these spies came back, these ten spies spoke up and said, we can't do this. There's giants there. There's wall fortresses. There's no way, man. We, we, we can't do it. We're just going to give up. And what happens? All of a sudden, the people begin to weep. They begin to cry. They want to kill Moses and Aaron. They want to go back to Egypt. I mean, they're just terrified and upset because of voices of doubt and unbelief. But then, Caleb, one of the two men of faith who believed God, 
He speaks up. And the first thing he does is he quiets the people. You know what faith does? It quiets things down. Makes you think clearly. It stops all the noise so we can hear what God is saying. And where do I go from here? Let me ask you a promised land question. Who are you listening to? Who's influencing you? You know why I'm such a big proponent of being in God's house? It's because it's one day a week where you're going to hear some voices of faith that will quiet all the noise around us. Boy, there's a lot of noise in our world today. We're not here to preach noise. We're here to preach the word of God and preach faith. We're not here to give up. We're here to move on to everything God has for our lives. Who are you listening to? Who's influencing you? Ask yourself, who's influencing me? Now, I've heard it said that in today's church world, you need to do some fun stuff in church. And I feel like I've been doing some fun stuff the last 30 minutes. But <laughs> So we're, we're going to play a Bible game this morning. How many, like, how many like games? My wife loves games. Okay, my daughter-in-law likes games. How many, how many of you love games? Oh, we love games. Okay, we're, we're, there you go. That's fun. Oh, somebody's saying, no, no, no. you're like me. I don't want to play games. Okay, here we, here we are. We're going to play Bible name association. Okay? How many of you here feel like, yeah, I, I kind of know the major names of the Bible. I kind of know who the main people are. All right, let me ask you. Who is Shamua? See, even the youth pastor didn't know that. Of course, he don't know a lot of things, but he's not learned that yet. <laughs> who is Shaphat? Who is Egal? Who is Palti? Who is Gadiel? And who is Gadi? Who is Amiel? Who is Sethur? Who's Nabi? I can't even sell this name, say this name, but I'll try. Who is Guiel? Not girl, not Goyle. Who's Guiel? Who are, who, are, who are those people? There are ten spies who came back and said, we can't take the land. And nobody knows their names today. Can I tell you something? Those negative voices you're listening to, a few years from now, nobody will know who they are because people want to forget about the negativity that they've heard. You only remember the voices of faith. We need to not only listen to voices of faith, we need to be voices of faith who speak the word of God and agree with God's word. Okay, we're still playing the game. Who's Joshua? I know that one. Who's Caleb? Now, my English probably won't be correct and school teachers can correct me. Because I've been used to that my whole ministry. I've always had school teachers in the church who would correct my, my grammar. Okay? But here's, here's the deal. Voices of doubt never did nothing in life. That's why you never remember their names. Voices of doubt, they never do nothing. Voices of faith are remembered sometimes forever. Why? Because they believe God and God gets involved in their lives and walks them into the promised land. 
If I want to possess my promised land, I have to learn to follow voices of faith, faith, people who believe God. When new challenges arise along the way, my first response needs to be, what does God say about this? Because I'm going to believe Him and I'm going to follow Him. Not those other ten voices. I'm going to believe God. Now this is all my introduction to this series today and I'm finishing right now. You know, some people embrace the promises and they write great stories of faith. While others try to explain why trying God didn't work out for them. Can I tell you something? You don't try God. You walk through life with Him and you let Him be God or you walk away from Him. You don't play games. God's not for trying. God's for believing. He's for trusting. And we need to settle in our hearts. Am I going forward or not? Does God have a promised land for me? Since I was a kid, young kid growing up in church, I knew, I knew God had something for my life. God convinced me when I was young. It doesn't mean I was always embracing it. I've told the story, man. When I was a kid, I heard about one of our missionaries in our church that was killed in Africa, killed in the Congo. And I said right then in my heart, I am not going into the ministry because it'll be my luck. God will send me to the Congo to get killed. I ain't going there. But you know what? God changed my heart and I preached in the Congo. I want you to listen to me. I'm almost finished. God put things in my heart when I was a boy that even now are being fulfilled in my life. And I'm excited about the future because God's still working and God still has plans. He has a promised land for me. And I'm going to find it all. I don't want to be one of those people that try, try God and give up. I want to be one of those people that runs through life believing everything God says, watching God's hand work in everything that I do. His goodness just keeps running after me. Closing today, I want to go back to the beginning of this message. I want to invite you to join me on this journey. This morning, for people, for people, not just, please hear me, not just for our church, but for people, for individuals. God wants you to know in all the things that he's carved out, all the promises he's made, there are specific things he's designed just for you. And there are things beyond your wildest imagination that he wants to do in you and for you and through you if you'll believe him and walk with him on this journey. So I want to pray this morning. It's a time of decision. I'm going to be teaching the next few weeks about this journey, this promised land process. I'm going to answer a lot of questions, but I'm going to tell you today, it starts with the choice. God extends the promised land to us and says, do you want to go? Do you want to go? It's a moment of decision. There's also some people in this room, or people watching online perhaps. Maybe you've never turned to God and say, I'm all in, I'm, I'm believing, I'll follow. Maybe you've never reached that place. Maybe today your heart's been stirred and you're saying, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I'm going to commit my life to God. I'm going to believe Him wholeheartedly and I'm going to let God be God in my life. I want to lead you in two quick prayers. I want to lead you in a first prayer. I want to pray a second prayer for you. So I'm going to ask everybody in the house, everybody online, right there where you are, just close your eyes and make this prayer your prayer. Say with me, God, I need you. I want you 
to be the God of my life. I want to see you work. And I want to follow you. I want to see everything. I want to be everything. I want to experience everything that you have for me. So I commit my life to you. I will follow you. From this moment forward, you are my God. And I'm your child because of Jesus. Thank you. While your heads are still bowed for one more moment, Father, just pray in this room today that you'd stir our hearts. Every person, young and old alike, stir our hearts. God, plant the promised land seeds in our hearts today. The places where we've stopped growing, the places where we've stopped following, the places where we've given up, stir those things and bring them back to life today. Bring us to a place of recognition and choosing that we say, I will follow God. We're going to keep moving into all you have of the promised land. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I just want to say just before Pastor Corey comes to close the service, if you prayed the prayer today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're choosing to follow God, it's the most important decision you ever make in life. When service is over, we want to give you a little gift. If you're watching online, you can follow the tabs and instructions there. We can get it to you electronically. A little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading to help you start building this relationship with God. We want to give it to you. If you're here in the building, when service is over, we'll have prayer teams on each side of the building down front. Come up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there. No strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something going on in your life, they're there there to pray with anyone about any need. Please stop by. You're not a problem. You're not a problem to come and visit with them. They'd love to help you. If you're in a really big rush and you just want to get this and go, there's a counter set up just as you exit right in the middle of the glass doors in the lobby. Stop by and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. God bless you. Thank you for joining the family of God. Can we welcome new believers into God's family today? Pastor Corey. Hey, can we say thank you to Pastor Gary for that awesome message this morning? It's great to have you back, Pastor. Hey, this is the moment in our service where we get to worship God with our giving. And there's going to be several options that you'll see up on the screen. And if today uh, you came prepared to give a physical gift here in person, then you can go ahead and uh, grab an envelope on one of the seat, seat backs either side of the auditorium before you get to the foyer there's some giving stations right there there's also one over by our kids check-in if you head to the right but really quick i just want to take a moment and and just say thank you as your youth pastor because last week i spent the whole week up at youth camp there was one 167 of us from the bridge church that went to summer camp the biggest group that we've ever taken to summer camp it was Amazing and exhausting all at the same time. But one of the reasons it was so exhausting is because after every service, each night we had moments with students. We had moments where students let us know that God had delivered them, that they had moments um, over the last year and a half of, of feeling depressed and even suicidal and that God showed up in their life this week. There were students who said, I'd never experienced God I'd never experienced the Holy Spirit, and this week I'd got saved and experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. We had students get called into the ministry this last week up at camp. And this last week, uh, last Sunday, we had a couple extra spots, and we had 
We had about 10 students who couldn't make it to camp because of financial reasons. A few months back, we asked, hey, would you guys partner with us and just help get some students to camp that wouldn't otherwise be able to make it because of finances? And, and like always, you stepped up and a ton of students were able to go. But after those funds were allocated and, and students were sponsored, there were several more that came and said, hey, we couldn't, we couldn't make it. Some with really, really crazy stories of stuff happening in their lives and their families' lives over the past few months. And so this last week, as uh, I, I hopped up on the platform to uh, do offering and, and just to thank you for your faithfulness and how amazing you are, uh, we had a few of you come and say, hey, if there's anybody else that, that's trying to go and can't because of financial reasons, let us know and we'll make sure that they get to camp. Thank you for being that kind of church. Thank you for being that kind of church. Because there were some of those students that I sat, ne sat next to them in services this last week. There were some that 11.30 p.m., midnight, we sat and we prayed with them and we cried with them and, and we saw God come through in their life and God speak to them. And none of that would be possible without a faithful God and faithful people like you. And then this is just youth ministry. I'm just talking youth ministry. There's so many areas of ministry that it just doesn't happen if not for a faithful God and faithful people like you. So thank you so much for being so generous and so faithful because we know this. God is a God that fulfills his promises. And when we are faithful to God, he is faithful to us. Amen. 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 So again, there's a few ways that you can give on the screen. You can give a physical gift today as well. But hey, before you go, just a few things. Number one, we are so excited. Baptisms are coming up. Our last, uh, the last time we baptized people, there were so many people that got baptized. I know a ton of young people from summer camp are now ready to get baptized and signing up uh, August 29th, the last Sunday of this month. Baptisms are happening. You can sign up online or on the church app. Two more things really quick just because they're about to happen right now. One, if you are signed up to volunteer for Back to School Bash or you want to volunteer for Back to School Bash coming up this Saturday, uh, head to the Youth Center right after this service. So you can head to the foyer, just turn left, head to the Youth Center. The team will be in there ready to receive you. And then Connecting Point is during our second service today. So if you're signed up for Connecting Point, that's happening during the 1130. Or maybe you're not signed up, but you're ready to make the Bridge Church your home. You want to find out how you can get plugged in, how you can make this your home. Connecting Point's for you. You can absolutely show up. It'll be in our music and arts room right out these double doors to your left-hand side during the 1130. Hey, anybody else uh, uh, enjoy having our pastor back speaking this morning. Enjoy being in church today. Hey, we love you guys so much. Have a great, great week.